What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonas. This is episode 54, and uh, this is a special, a special episode where we have a, a guest that I'll be interviewing for the next 30 to 40 minutes, um, and that guest is going to be Jimmy Cordera's former WWF referee. We'll talk to Jimmy very, very soon. But before we do, just a few plugs for the podcast, of course, and you can hit us up on Twitter. If you want to reach out to us on Twitter, you can do. Our handle is at withjohnas underscore pod. We're on Instagram as well, instagram.com forward slash wrestling with Jonas. And of course, our ever popular Facebook group, uh, just search Wrestling With Jonas. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple iTunes, please don't forget to give us a five-star review. And of course, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, please don't forget to hit like, subscribe, share, and shout about the Wrestling With Jonas podcast. This is the only podcast, uh, I believe anyway, uh, for all of your weekly NXT, NXT UK, WWF, uh, WWE, sorry, and uh, your all-round wrestling needs. So please don't forget to spread the word, tell your friends and tell your family to help uh, me to continue to uh, grow this podcast so that we can produce quality content for you guys each and every week. So... As I alluded to earlier on, this is a special episode with uh, Jimmy Cordero's former WWF WWE referee. Um, so uh, welcome to the podcast, Jimmy. Fantastic to have you on. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Is a um, especially uh, I love talking to people from the UK because it just. It sounds like proper English to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not too sure about that, but I'll do my very best. They're not quite the Queen's English from me. but uh, um, So over the next 30 to 40 minutes, as I explained, we're going to be talking about uh, Jimmy's career, um, how he got started as a referee, his time in the WWE. Um, and um, yeah, so, so Jimmy, you, you started refereeing uh, over 30 years ago. We're also going to be talking um, to Jimmy about Extreme Rules and towards the end of the uh, episode of this podcast. We're going to be uh, putting down a, a bit of a preview, some quick predictions on some of the key matches that's taking place on the WWE Network this evening. So, Jimmy, uh, thanks again for coming on board. It, it's, it's been a big and a busy weekend for wrestling fans and the wrestling industry in general. Uh, obviously, you had AEW's Fight for the Fallen last night, along with uh, Evolve's 10th anniversary uh, show taking place last night. you got the New Japan's G1 Climax taking place throughout the weekend. And then, of course, tonight you got WWE's Extreme Rules, which is looking uh, a pretty stacked card um some some pretty good matches to look forward to there we'll get into detail about stream rules a little bit later on but what's caught your eye over the weekend and have you had time to watch any of the action so far um uh, it, it's very tough for me because it, there's so much of it happening right now so it's yeah. tough getting caught actually believe it or not uh before we started chatting i was getting caught up on the aew uh fight for the fallen um, so I'm about halfway through that now. And uh, you know what? That, I, like any other wrestling product, there's stuff I like and stuff that uh, I would prefer I didn't see. I'm being honest, but yeah. that's with every wrestling product that I watch. But that being said, it is a great time to be a wrestling fan. I mean, there's so much out there. There's so much choice. Um, I think there's a lot out there that would uh, that people you know like i said everybody's individual taste is different some people like this presentation over that presentation well you're going to get a little bit of everything and and what i like about this weekend was um okay you had your aew who are, who are making waves you have the evolve show which is another um another vehicle for them on the wwe network to get a fresh set of eyes on their product and now people can maybe uh tune into that and say hey you know what i uh, you know, I, I've never seen this product before. It's very interesting. I kind of like what I'm seeing. So, you know, it, it's a great time. And for me personally, last night, this is why I have to get caught up on everything. My 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 
co-host from our show Aftermath here in, in Canada, uh, the former Santino Morell, Anthony Corelli, was running his first um, Battle Arts Pro Wrestling show out of his Battle Arts Academy uh, gym yesterday. So I, I went there to, to support him for the live show. So that's why I'm get, I have to kind of get caught up on the other stuff later. But again, it, it's great, man. It's a great time. If you're a wrestling fan, you should be happy. Uh, stop the negativity. Yeah, it really is a great time. And we'll talk more about the current product a bit later on. But uh, you, you obviously grew up in, in, in Canada, uh, Toronto, Ontario, I understand, Jimmy. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Born and raised. And, and one of the, one of the uh, blessings, if you're a wrestling fan, if you were in my age group growing up in, in Toronto, was we had so much wrestling on television, almost like now. Like, uh, I'll give you an example. You know, like um, I, I started falling in love with wrestling. Uh, we used to get Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling was the main, uh, um, uh, I guess, promotion from the United States we would get on television up here. But, uh, you know, locally we'd have uh, Maple Leaf Wrestling. And then uh, on certain channels we'd get Calgary Stampede Wrestling uh, from our uh, Barry affiliate or something like that. And then we'd get International Wrestling from Montreal on another channel and, and AWA on another channel. And this is all on one weekend. So it was a smorgasbord of wrestling, and and for me it was like hockey and wrestling. But there was so much wrestling, it kind of took over. So so even back then, you you were sport for choice as far as uh, you know availability. Uh, but what was open to you as a wrestling fan? I mean, when did you first get introduced uh, to professional wrestling? When did you first uh, clap eyes on it? Was it through a relative or a friend? Uh, were you at school at the time? So when did you first come across professional wrestling, Jimmy? It was kind of like, like as a, as a young boy, I mean, like I, I stumbled across it on television and kind of like, what is this? And I started watching it and, and I, you know, it's weird. I started, I started getting gravitating towards some of the characters and I saw these, you know, and you got to remember, this is probably, um, boy, I want to say uh, I'm carbon dating myself now, late sixties, early seventies. I'm like, wow, some of these characters are, are, are are, are interesting so i started watching and then uh one of the first live events i got taken to uh my neighbors at the time their father were taking them to an outdoor stadium show here in toronto and just to give you an, an idea of who the main event it was an nwa world championship match and it featured dory funk jr as the champion against the original chic uh, wow. ed farhat yeah uh and we were up in the stands, and as kids, I, I want to say about 10-ish, maybe around there, you know, sneaking down onto the field and getting up really close and watching it up close, and, and that was it for me. I was hooked. Wow. What, what a great introduction to being a, a wrestling fan. And uh, who were some of the other big stars around at the time then when you were kind of growing up watching watching wrestling either on TV or live in person? Who were some of the other big stars that you that caught your attention, made you fall in love with the sport? Well, like I said, back then, you know, the original Sheik as a heel, like, and back then I, I disliked the heels. I, I was a kid, you know, I, um, Abdullah the Butcher was around at that time. Uh, Tex McKenzie. I remember the fabulous Kangaroo Brothers. Uh, there was a tag team called uh, the Love Brothers, Hartford and Reginald, who were kind of like this hippie kind of gimmick because it was like, you know, early 70s and that kind of gravitated. But then as time went on and I started watching more of the uh the mid-atlantic championship wrestling uh all of a sudden it was like uh wahoo mcdaniel 
and 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 the introduction of Ric Flair before he became you know world heavyweight champion and stuff like that. And I start, and that really hooked me right there. That was incredible. I used to they used to be the main source of um, U.S. talent coming to Toronto for Maple Leaf Gardens wrestling that used to run every three weeks at Maple Leaf Gardens. Yeah, fascinating. And, and 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 as a young child, did you have any desires to jump in the ring yourself and be a professional wrestler? Not not as I was young. As I was getting older and kind of, um, I don't want to say, I don't want to say I I kind of got the gist of what was going on. I, I was starting to understand that it was more a um, I hate to use the word more of a work. Um, as I was starting to kind of process that maybe this is more entertainment than it is uh, actual sport. Not saying that it's not athletic. Everything is athletic. These guys are tremendous athletes, but I'm saying from a, a, a legit win and lose yeah. standpoint. When I was starting to kind of either question it or stuff like that, then I started questioning, hey, I'm, you know, I, you know how you are. You feel, I feel I'm pretty athletic. Maybe I could uh, partake in some of this stuff, but uh uh, it never got to the point where I actually got in a ring and tried it. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I, of course, the thought crosses your mind, but then sometimes reality kicks in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sometimes, if you know, like me, if you're just not athletic enough, you, you've got to know where where your cards fall, basically. But uh, so, so as I mentioned, you, you skipping forward a little bit, you began your refereeing career in 1985. Um, your first match was in the Maple Leaf Gardens. Is that right, Jimmy? That, that you refereed no, your first match? No, my my very very first match actually was in uh, Newmarket, Ontario, which is not quite an hour north of Toronto. Um, it, you know, a live event house show as we called them back in the day. Yeah. Um, SD Special Delivery Jones against Jose Luis Rivera in a mask, and it was like, um, just to give give you a, a little heads up, um, I Pat Patterson was the one who suggested that maybe I start refereeing because I was on the ring crew and doing all that stuff and. And his suggestion was, well, you're here anyways, and you're just waiting for the show to end. You can tear down the ring. We might as well use, you know, he told Jack Tunney, you might as well use him. Maybe we can make him a ref. And uh, so he told me to get a pair of black pants, black shoes, uh, sneakers, uh, a blue shirt and a black bow tie and carry it with me all around. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, one day they just said, you got your ref stuff? And I said, yes. They said, well, put it on your refing. And I thought. At one, at one point, I was going to say, but uh, nobody has kind of like talked to me to train me or anything like that. Uh, then on the other side of my brain, I said, don't say anything before they say no. <laughs> and it doesn't happen. So, you know, I, I said, OK. And I went and talked to S.D. Jones, who is a nice guy and a friend. I said, I, I said to him, I'm refing your match tonight. He said, oh, great. I said, I've never refed a match before. He said, don't worry. Listen to me. I will talk you through it. You'll be fine. And uh it was awesome. Uh, terrified, but awesome. I was going to ask how, how you must have felt at that time, because you, you, you're in your early 20s. You're obviously transitioning from being a wrestling fan to now being part of the business, quote unquote, and then refereeing you know, two fairly well-known stars in the day, S.D. Jones and uh, Jose Luis Rivera. Um, I think he was under a mask, wasn't he? Uh, Red Demon on the day. Mm-hmm. But, but that must have been quite quite a nervous time for you, quite intimidating at the same time. But at least the, ref- the, the wrestler looked after you and smartened you up before the match. Oh, absolutely. And and like I said, I, I felt like, a, you know, obviously I felt like a robot in there moving around very stiff and like that. But, um, I got through it. And, you know, once you get that initial one out of the way, you 
I don't, I, I'm not saying you feel comfortable, but you, it's almost like a relief. It's okay. Okay. I got it out of the way now. Now, what can I do to improve? And, and that was always my mindset. It was like, what can I do to get better? I want to be good at this, you know? So, so I mean, you, you briefly touched on it earlier on, but uh, what type of training did you receive as a referee back then? I mean, obviously, the, the wrestlers are there to look after you and maybe talk you through the match, and you're there to follow your instincts as well and, and look after the rest of the safety. But back in 1985, you know, what, what sort of training was provided, if any at all? It was different than back now. Like, obviously, now they have, uh, you know, the performance center where you can bring guys in and, and train them. And they could train them to to their specific what they like uh, how they like their uh, officials and referees to be presented on television and stuff like that back then it was you know you spoke to the veteran referees and and like I'd, I'd speak to a Timmy White or uh, uh, at the time uh, who else was there a uh, Dave Hebner yeah uh, before Earl came over you know and uh, the twin referee thing and and I would talk to those guys and and I would ask them please watch and tell me what I'm doing wrong and what, what I could improve on and stuff like that. So it was uh, <clears throat> pretty much, you know, it's pretty much how, how the wrestlers were too. Like, you know, young wrestlers would look to the veterans for advice, you know, and I would do the same thing and also go to the wrestlers and say, Hey, when this situation arises, what would you like me to do? You know what I mean? And, and that sort of stuff. So I, a lot of asking questions. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. And like you say, it's certainly changed to modern times because they've got the PC in Florida and one in the UK as well now. But uh, obviously there's uh, not only training for the wrestlers, but for the officials as well. So, uh, yes, how, how times have changed in the last 30 odd years. But um, so, so in the first few years between 85 and 87, you, you obviously wrestled for uh, Maple Leaf Wrestling, which was Jack Tunney's organization in Toronto. Is that correct? Yeah, but at the time, uh, when I started, it was already uh, absorbed by the WWF at the time. So they were already um, pretty much a, a WWF product at that time. It was, uh, um, yeah, it was. It was yeah. 85. I think it was all taken over by uh, by Vince and Jack was uh, the uh, president. That's right. Of Still, I think that the best president that the WWF have, have ever had. You only saw him every so often, maybe once or twice a year. But when you saw Jack Tony on the TV, you knew that it was something important. Yeah, because he had that presence about him. He had that like that authoritative. Uh, yeah, this guy looks important. And, and it's funny because Jack, everywhere he traveled, he always wore a blazer and a tie. And, you know, he looked the part. He looked the part always. So, so but yeah. <laughs> but, but between 85 and 87 then i mean obviously the first two or three years of your your refereeing career um what, what were some of the most important lessons that you learned in them them early years as far as what to do what what do you know what not to do what were some of the kind of more important lessons during them early years as a referee jimmy the most important one i thought was um not to be a distraction you know, to take away from what the talent is trying to do, the story that the talent is trying, you're there to help this, the talent tell their story, whatever it may be. Yeah. And it, you're, you're the supporting actor in, so to speak, in, in a uh, presentation um, and try to stay as invisible as possible until you need to be visible. If that yeah. makes sense. 
It certainly yeah. does. It certainly does. And some good advice as well. Um, so then you uh, officially transitioned over to the WWF in 1987. Um, how did that opportunity came about? Obviously, you mentioned that uh, Maple Leaf Wrestling was taken over by uh, Vince back in 85 or thereabouts. Uh, was that kind of just a, a natural progression to write you're officially working for WWF now? Or was there a, an exchange of contracts? How did it all come about? How did it all change from Maple Leaf to WWF in 1987? It was for, for me. There was there was no difference. <laughs> Basically, it was right. like okay, we roll right along, keep going, and that was pretty much it. It was like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> yeah. That, so, so it's I, I hate to sound boring about it, but it was that simple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes when you think about the, these things, you know, sometimes it it seems like it it's kind of a, a big contract signing. But uh, you're a referee, you're a referee in the wrestling business. You know, one company gets taken over by another, right? You know, just, it's just another day at work, basically. Yeah, pretty much. The uh, the bus just keeps on rolling. <laughs> there we go. So, did you join uh, before or after WrestleMania three, Jimmy? Uh, um, it was before, it, and. Uh, the um i didn't referee at wrestlemania 3 mainly because i don't and i i agree i don't think i was ready for that that largest stage yet i'm I, I was still very green as we say yeah okay so so when you think of that time around the late 80s you always think of characters like andre the giant hulk hogan randy savage jake roberts which are four of my favorites kind of growing up anyway uh what was it like to be around around them larger than life characters uh you know from a fan's perspective i can only imagine that it was a crazy experience back then um but for you being in that being being in that bubble being in that environment with all them larger than life characters what memories stand out for you more than 30 years later of some of those characters and and you know some of the names that i didn't mention that kind of really jump out to you from 30 years ago but the, the biggest thing is i i mean a lot of times we have these misconceptions about uh superstars that uh, you know they they are a certain way and uh, um there there may be little truths to some of them but for the most part like you know it, it really was as much as it was a competition amongst them to be the top guy, so to speak, it, there was still that camaraderie and they still work together. And I was fortunate enough to be in a spot where, it, you know, I wasn't a challenge to them, if you know what I mean. Like yeah. I wasn't, um, I, I wasn't a threat to their spot, so to speak. So um, I, I don't want to say I knew my place, but I did. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it uh, allowed me to actually become good friends with most most of those guys you know and and it was uh, actually awe it, it was i was always in awe but at the same time tried not to show it too much because you know these are uh people you work with every day and i was i was blessed enough that people like andre took me under his wing and and you know treated me so well and uh, and and randy savage and and even even hogan was really cool you know what i mean so and then I think back about it now, now that you brought it up, and I go, how freaking cool is that? That I yeah. get to, like, <laughs> able to call these guys' friends. And I'm like, and now I'm thinking about it, I'm going, oh, wow, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. how many people do that? Yeah, but not many people will ever be able to say that they've had an opportunity to do that in their lifetime. So, uh, yeah, uh, must have been pretty special looking back at it. Now, I mean, we, we, we hear lots of stories about Tim White and being the, the kind of 
the carer, for want of a better word, or the driver for Andre the Giant. I mean, who did you kind of hang with back in the day, and who, who did you drive with, and who were you kind of close with, uh, you know, back in the back in the late eighties? No, for for me, it was like uh, it was more like the crew guys. So so uh, people like uh, uh, the late Joey Morella, who's who's no longer with us, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but guys like uh, Tony Chimmel. Uh, you know, and Mike Kyoto and the crew guys. And then uh, later on when uh, the other, the, the fellows from WCW, like, like Charles Robinson and stuff yeah. like that. And eventually our athletic trainer, Larry, Larry Heck, um, we kind of became, uh, especially um, later on when we had the brand split and SmackDown and Raw became specific brands. Uh, I was on SmackDown and, and, we became kind of like the the three amigos driving myself, Tony Chimmel and Larry, the trainer. Um, so we were kind of like a pretty much a set crew every week driving around together. So yeah, yeah. So so when I first became a wrestling fan, it was probably in the early nineties. I specifically remember in ninety one, uh, Jake Roberts and his King Cobra uh, latching onto the arm of Randy Savage, which led to their big big feud, and obviously brought Randy Savage out of retirement. Um, my first WrestleMania that I saw kind of as a fan was WrestleMania 8 from the Hoosier Dome, April 92, which was amazing for me. Um, now, you would have been with the company for possibly five or six years at that point. What were some of the, the, the bigger or more memorable matches that you remember refereeing uh, from when you started through to about 92? Oh, my goodness. Uh, you must have refereed in some, some WrestleMania matches uh, that, that kind of really stand out to you. Yeah, I mean, my first WrestleMania, WrestleMania four, uh, was interesting because uh, um, th- that was the tournament, and I accidentally got knocked out uh, during the uh, the Intercontinental Championship match with Brutus Beefcake and the Honky Tonk Man. And I know a lot of people thought it was Jimmy Hart hitting me in the back of the head with the megaphone that caused the damage, but that wasn't it. It was oh. actually I did it to myself because. Um, you know, it's WrestleMania, so when Jimmy swung the megaphone and I felt the impact in the back of my head, I want I wanted it to look good. So as I <laughs> face planted myself, hands when I put them down to you know to protect myself, my hand slipped out and my chin hit the canvas. But I guess like a boxer, I would have I best way to describe it, it hit that right spot and I just blacked out. And I remember them kind of dragging me to the back, and that's about it. <laughs> There we go. So, so all, all these years, Jimmy Hart's megaphone's been getting the credit for that. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy a champ, but uh, nah, I did it to myself. Full disclosure. There we go. There we go. So uh, we spoke earlier about uh, the golden era of, of uh, wrestling with Hulkamania, Savage, Andre. Um, then you probably got to fast forward maybe another 10 years or so until you have something similar with the Attitude Era, the birth of the, the Mr. McMahon character, Stone Cold, The Rock, D-Generation X and so many others. You've seen a lot of history as your time as a WWE referee. Um, this must have been another highlight amongst many in your career. But what era and what period of time? would you say was your favorite as a fan or as someone within the industry uh within kind of your 22 plus years career with the wwe what kind of era or period was your favorite and why um as far as me being a part of it with the wwe or pretty much i did enjoy the attitude era i think sometimes it gets romanticized a little bit (laughs) yeah i mean it was i mean like 
what better time? You caught lightning in a bottle where you had the rock and stone cold at the same time, two of the biggest stars ever. And, you know, that's, that was amazing. But I really enjoyed the period right after that. I thought, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I thought there was the, the best way to describe it. I don't know if you're familiar in, in the UK with Saturday Night Live, the TV show that airs sure. in the United States. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> the, the best way I heard it uh, described was, Everybody romanticizes the original Saturday Night Live cast and, you know, when it first started and there were some amazing sketches and some funny stuff, but a lot of it was not good. <laughs> and, and you know, the the Attitude Era, there was a lot of good stuff, but there was a lot of other stuff that made you go, ooh, I don't know about that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. I think sometimes we, we, we think back fondly on stuff uh, a little too fondly, uh, but like anything else, uh, the wrestling industry, like every industry, evolves and changes and, and, and grows. And, and eventually it gets, hopefully, I'm doing the air quotes, hopefully better. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, speaking of, speaking of the, the products from, uh, from the current era, um, you know, it could also be considered another boom time for the wrestling business, Jimmy. I mean, New Japan, they're consistently putting on fantastic wrestling, some of the best wrestling on the planet with their strong style. Uh, the WWF have probably their biggest and most talented group of wrestlers they've ever had with Raw and SmackDown appearing to be heading into a new and more exciting direction under uh, Bischoff and Heyman, of course. Then, of course, you've got to AEW. We spoke briefly about them earlier on. Uh, they're on the scene now, already proven to be possibly the first legitimate uh, competition for the WWE since WCW. Um, it's certainly a great time to be a fan of wrestling, as you mentioned earlier. Um, it's, it's, it's great for wrestling fans and for the industry as a whole. But what are your thoughts uh, in a bit more detail about the, the current landscape, the, the modern day product at the moment, Jimmy, and, and kind of uh, the AEW aspect in terms of being competition for the WWF, WWE, sorry, and kind of what that means for Vince McMahon and, uh, and the rest of the WWE? I think I think it's going to probably push the WWE to to uh, up their game, so to speak, uh, as as we like to say. But at the same time, I don't think that, and and I've heard others say this too, and I agree. I don't think AEW should present themselves as direct competition to the WWE. They should present themselves as an alternative, as another choice, another voice out there for people to watch. And I know a lot of people are screaming, oh, they should do it on Monday nights and do re relive the Monday. No, mm -hmm. I think a horrible decision. I think I think the fact that my understanding is they're going to be airing on Wednesday nights live in the United States on TNT, which I think is a perfect time for them to do it because there's enough of a gap, especially in October when SmackDown moves to Friday nights and you don't you're not overwrought with like three hours on monday two hours on tuesday yeah. then you got to watch hours on wednesday back to back to back i think the spacing is going to help everybody out including raw and smackdown and they should just focus on doing what they do as opposed to trying to compete if that makes sense just do what you do best their challenge is going to be because they've already got the hardcore audience you know invested they're they're tuning in they yeah. want to see that problem the challenge for them going forward is to bring in new eyes, bring in that more casual audience, you know, which has been a challenge for for even the WWE now, you know, to bring in that casual audience. So that is going to be um, 
that is that is I think what they should focus on more than trying to compete because uh, as they say in war there's always one side that wins and one side that loses and there's casualties so just you know in my opinion they should just concentrate on being uh, their own brand concentrate on themselves not worrying about what the other guys are doing very good, very good. Changing subject slightly, Jimmy. So uh, you worked for Vince McMahon for 22 years. What sort of kind of interaction did you have with Vince? What is he like behind the scenes? Obviously, we're familiar with the Vince, the, the Mr. McMahon character, and we've seen snippets of uh, snippets of Vince McMahon in certain documentaries, but we've never really got to see the true Vince McMahon. Uh, what, what what was it like working for him for 22 years? Is is he a, a tough bo- boss to work for, or uh, kind of you know how would you describe him, and what sort of relationship? did you have with him um uh, i don't know if i would use the word tough he he is he let let me put it this way Uh, as as tough as he is he would never put any demands upon anyone that he wouldn't demand upon himself Mm -hmm. like no put it this way the the guy i don't believe he sleeps (laughs) i mean you know that is Nobody works harder than he does. And, you know, he, I guess, figures that if he doesn't sleep or if he doesn't uh, take a day off, uh, neither should we. And um, I could see that point of view. But at the same time, you know, like it's his company, so he's going to put 100 percent effort into it. I never had any. uh, I've both been, you know, I've been on both ends of the stick with with Vince where, you know, I've had a little bit of a talking to and i've also been you know there when he's like a pat on the back so um i think he's very fair uh he's actually believe it or not at least in my dealings with him open to suggestions from others i mean a lot of people would say well he's got you know his own vision which is true and he wants to present it but i've had plenty of times where i've like caught up to him and and i i I did. I always never knew how to address him. Should I call him Mr. McMahon? Do I call him Vince? So I used to say, "Hey, boss," <laughs> you know. I'd say, "Hey, boss, uh, uh, do you mind if I run an idea by you or something like that?" He said, uh, and he'd either say, "Hey, sure, what you got?" or I-, "I can't right now. Find me later." And you know, and he was always open, and you know, he'd be honest with his, you know, uh, either, "Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Maybe we can incorporate that," or um, "I don't know about that. That's maybe not the direction we want to go right now." But uh, you know, I appreciate you thinking of stuff. You know, he was. He was appreciative, though, of, of any input. That's good. And, well, uh, carry on. Carry on. No, and uh, there were times, uh, you know, where uh, afterwards, if we happened to be in the same uh, uh, area, having a, a an adult beverage or two, where he would be just a regular guy, which was kind of cool to see. Like, he'd be like, hey, you know, there's a boss just let, you know, letting... Uh, letting his hair down and just enjoying the moment yeah i wanted to be one of the boys well he he, he was but he wasn't <laughs> he, <laughs> i guess you would consider him the boy <laughs> yeah absolutely so we've got a few listener questions then jimmy if that's okay so the first question uh, from our facebook group uh, jason hall asks um are there, are there any wrestlers that you either enjoyed or disliked working with as a referee so are there any ref- wrestlers that you're in the ring with that you kind of either didn't enjoy working with uh, for one reason or another and if you don't want to name names or uh, we can skip on to the next question if you want but uh, uh what how would you respond to that question 
Um, I did. There wasn't really anybody that I disliked working with. There were some that were um, a little more difficult. Um, it's not that I disliked working with Vader, but with him, just sometimes he went into business for himself a little bit sometimes, you know, um, and he keeps forgetting. He, oh, sorry. Doors are slamming all over the place here. That's all right. Carry <laughs> on. <laughs> it's uh, it's just that he d sometimes doesn't realize his own strength. So when you got to take a bump from Vader, it's kind of like, oh, man, that hurt. You know, hey, take it easy. I'm not McFoley, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> Speaking of Vader, I mean, I, I, I was a huge Vader fan growing up, firstly from when I first spotted him in, in WCW, and I, I really wanted Vader to have a kind of a, a, a better shake of things when he came over to the WWF in uh, in the mid-90s. Um, where do you stand as far as Vader going into the Hall of Fame? I mean, I personally felt that it should have happened while he was still alive. He wanted to go into the Hall of Fame while he was still alive, but that never happened, and obviously complications set in with his health. Uh, where do you stand on... on somebody like Vader going into the Hall of Fame? Yeah, it's difficult because uh, I know I know someone, um, um, not to plug him, but uh, I know that Dave Meltzer always says that the, the WWE Hall of Fame is unusual in the sense that it's one man voting to see who goes in. But uh, uh, I definitely believe he belongs there. He's one of the best big men ever to, to be in the ring. So um, as far as does he deserve to be in there? Absolutely. 100% yeah deserves to be in there it's just and and i get it. it i mean every year it seems like the hall of fame is booked like a wrestling show you have your opener you have your mid card and then you have your headliner so um it, i i it just a little more difficult when you want to induct somebody posthumously i guess i yeah. you know then you gotta kind of it's hard but uh to the original question yes he belongs definitely Mm, I agree. Another listener question from uh, Kieran this time. Um, we spoke earlier about uh, you getting uh, knocked out at WrestleMania 4, but uh, have you ever uh, got injured in another match and, and carried on working through the match, or, uh, although you was injured? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I've things, everything from tweaking knees to rolling your ankle and thankfully not breaking it, <laughs> you know, and... Uh, and believe it or not, uh, contrary to popular opinion, counting on that canvas, uh, how many times, uh, especially, uh, you know, when you're doing it day in and day out, it takes a wear and tear on your shoulder. Um, um, it happened quite a fingers broken, you know, that kind of stuff. But thankfully, knock on, knock on my wife to knock on wood, um, knock on wood where uh Nothing too serious. I think the most serious thing I've ever had was a separated shoulder, um, just like a, on a beel or something like that. But other than that, I honestly have been fortunate. Very good, very good. And uh, this is a rest. Uh, sorry, another question from Ashley in our Facebook group. Uh, were there any wrestlers you wanted to ref their matches in particular? So uh, I don't know whether there were certain wrestlers that wanted referees to be in their match or be involved in the match because they knew how one another worked. Uh, were, were there any kind of wrestlers that wanted you to ref their matches in particular? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it I, again, it's, uh, it's more or less, uh, you know, they, they assign referees before the show and it doesn't happen often, but every once in a while, the, the talent will request a specific referee for their match. And I was 
fortunate enough that uh, my biggest highlight in WrestleMania history was uh, refereeing the main event at 24 with uh, Edge versus The Undertaker. And that just, I was actually scheduled to referee a different match that night. And it was, um, it was them that requested uh, to have me referee their match for, for WrestleMania. And that was um, probably the probably the biggest honor of my career. I mean, like, uh, uh, full disclosure, I'm an undertaker guy, man. He's, he's my guy. You know what I mean? And, and, and edge has uh, been a good friend for a long time. So f- for them to actually want me to be a part of their moment, uh, man, I, it doesn't get better than that. Pretty special, pretty special. So uh, one final listening question. Now, um, this is a question from uh, Joe. Now, Joe is actually a, a referee on the independent scene here in the UK. Uh, and Joe wants to know, um, has your style of refereeing changed at all over the, over the time that you've worked in the business due to the change of the scene of wrestling or any other outside influences such as other referees? So um, has your style of refereeing changed um, over the years? Yeah, believe it or not, it has. I mean, like, um, right now, um, if I were to referee a match, I would, I would consider, um, and I have done a few little spot like for like charity shows and stuff like that. And and of course, if it's if it's a match with somebody like Swaggle, who it's going to be a complete comedy match. Obviously, that's going to be a different story. But if I'm going to referee a, a straight up wrestling match now, I would treat it more like. Um, uh, for me personally, kind of like how MMA referees are. Like if you watch a Herb Dean or a John McCarthy, they're very, their movements are not jumpy. They don't, they're very, you know, they're always paying attention to the, to the action in the, in the, in the ring or in the um, octagon or whatever, but they're focused on the talent. They, they, they keep an eye on everything that's going on. They enforce their rules the way they're supposed to, but they're not overly, um, what's the word i'm looking for <laughs> they're not overly sports entertainment with their with their mannerisms if you know what i mean yeah it's it's more it's more of a low key but at the same time don't be afraid to use uh facial expressions to tell your story as well when you're enforcing rules but at this don't be over the top with them if you know what i mean absolutely so absolutely. That, that's how my roughing style pretty much has changed it's it's gone more uh trying to look more shoot if that makes sense Absolutely, it does. So um, let's have a look at some matches that's going to be taking place on tonight's Extreme Rules then, Jimmy, if that's okay. So I've got five matches in particular that I want to talk uh, to you about um, in as much detail as we can cram into in the next five minutes or so. But firstly, Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley. Now, they had a, a brief encounter on Raw about two or three weeks ago where they got uh, uh, where, they, where they plunged through the, uh, the the stage and it was all very dramatic um, and they're both uh, sent away to a local medical facility in an ambulance. Uh, but Tonight's match is a last man standing match. Now, with these two brutes, these two huge, um, big, big wrestlers, um, very capable and very popular wrestlers, uh, what, what's your thoughts on this one? And what do you think the, the outcome might be? Who, who's your pick between Braun and Bobby? I think I think going into this, I think Braun needs to be to come out of this looking strong. Uh, I, I think there was an opportunity there with Braun a little while back that was missed. Yeah. Uh, is uh, him being the guy and having him, um, you know, defeat Bobby tonight would be a big 
step in getting hit, getting his mojo back, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So I I expect this to be very physical. Uh, you know, Bobby is very un. I think at times underrated for his athleticism, and he, he he's scary strong. But not, I don't know how. I don't know if his strength can compete with Braun. Braun is just a beast. But uh, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I think Braun needs this more than Bobby does because Bobby, being a heel, can always rehab himself. Yeah. It's harder, especially for Braun. Like I said, with that missed opportunity earlier, this is the opportunity to start um, not the reset button, but get him back on that right track again. Yeah, and it sounds like Paul Heyman, who's going to be overseeing uh, quite a lot of the aspects on Raw going forward. He's a big fan of Braun Strowman and uh, recognises the fact that uh, there was a lost opportunity with Braun uh, last year or a couple of years back. So this, like you say, this could be a chance for them to reset Braun Strowman. Uh, the, the match that I'm looking forward to in particular, and I think a lot of uh, more pure wrestling fans are looking forward to, is Ricochet versus AJ Styles. So they've been building this over the last couple of weeks, and AJ Styles appears to have turned heel and reformed the club with Gallows and Anderson. But this is a singles match for Ricochet's newly won United States Championship, Jimmy. Um, I, I, I think as an athletic contest alone, this should be possibly the match of the night, or at least it should be. And I think it's a lot of people's pick to be match of the night. Um, but uh, what's your thoughts on this one, uh, AJ versus Ricochet? Uh, I, I agree with you. I think this has the potential to be match of the night. And um, I know I've a lot of people refer to Ricochet as the human video game, and the guy is yeah. incredible and can do some incredible things. I like the fact that he's in the ring with AJ Styles, who I think at one time I, I called him the best in the world. Uh, I still think he's among the best in the world, uh, mm. even though he's he's not old, but he is aging a little bit. Let's say that. I don't I don't sure. want to say he's slow, but AJ Styles is also one of the best at telling a story in the ring. So um, I, I anticipate this one is going to be a great match from, from a psychology standpoint as well as an in-ring presentation standpoint. And uh, um, like I always say, you never stop learning in this industry. And I think Ricochet being in the ring with AJ Styles is going to be a huge uh, bonus for him. Uh, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, I could see I could see Ricocheting retaining the title. I I, I don't want to see it. Uh, taken off him so soon after winning it but uh if it were on aj styles and he were to go forward as a heel with with the club uh, i'm okay with that as well but i think maybe a little soon for ricochet to lose the title definitely definitely but uh, hopefully it's the start of a a longer program between the two and uh, hopefully more matches after tonight as well uh then you've got kofi kingston defending his wwe championship against samoa joe so kofi obviously won the championship in that epic match and that epic moment of wrestlemania in april this year now samoa joe he's had a bit of a stop start push since he joined the main roster a couple of years ago for one reason or another, whether it be injury or, but, he, but he's had a few championship opportunities, uh, which he's kind of not taken advantage of. This seems to be a bit of a reset for Samoa Joe. He's kind of back in the the, the championship picture, uh, for want of a better phrase, with Kofi. Um, Kofi has, has proved to be a, a very, very capable champion, and, and Samoa Joe is one of the best heels in the business. Um, What's your thoughts on this one? Do you think Kofi's going to retain, or do you think uh, Samoa Joe is just going to be too much for Kofi tonight? Um, I think I think uh, tonight is not going to be the right time for Samoa Joe. Although, like you said, Samoa Joe is one of the best heels in the business, and mm-hmm. and what I like about so- Samoa Joe is the believability 
I mean, when you see him, when he speaks, when he, his mannerisms, everything about him screams, uh, this guy's legit and you got to beware of him. You know what I mean? So, um, it, I, I like the fact with Samojo, he's not trying to be that cool heel that, uh, that gets the, doesn't get a heel reaction. You know what I mean? And I think, I think, I think, um, that's a, a little bit, uh, I don't want to say it's a lost art. That's the wrong term again. I think it's, oh man, I wish, I wish more guys would try to be heels and not, not, not try to look for acceptance. At, yeah. And, and Joe's a perfect example of that. But what I like about this matchup is the conflicting styles. I mean, like, um, I like to see more aggression come out in Kofi in this one, um, show a little more fight, uh, um, as opposed to the high flying stuff. But at, uh, at the same time, you know, you're going to see some of that as well. Ah, uh, boy. Uh, you know, as much as I'd like to see Samoa Joe as WWE champ, I think that would be so cool from, from, because uh, only because I like Joe as a heel and I like his, I love his work. Yeah. I love his work. So, uh, um, um, again, with Kofi, we, you've got something with Kofi right now. Uh, keep rolling and let it, let it roll. Um, I think maybe to October when they go to Fox and, I know Paul Heyman says Brock is going to be the mission, but uh, I could see them waiting until October. The that first SmackDown on Fox and Brock shows up and just wham. Yeah, yeah, that would be an epic first show on Fox. It really would. But uh, I agree with you completely. I think that Kofi is retaining tonight uh, because I think there's still a lot more mileage in Kofi as the champion. Uh, there's a lot more stories to be told. It could be a follow-up match between Joe and, and Kofi maybe at SummerSlam. But uh, yeah, I think that um, keep the belt on Kofi. And I think that ultimately it's going to lead to him uh, being confronted by Lesnar somewhere down the line. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. So the next match is the under Taker and Roman Reigns versus Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. So I mean, I'm quite intrigued by this match because you don't often see much from The Undertaker nowadays. You said earlier that you're definitely an Undertaker guy, uh, teaming up with Roman Reigns, who defeated him a few WrestleManias ago. Uh, This is, you know, a fantastic opportunity for Drew McIntyre as well, because he's been one of those wrestlers that's been getting a bit more of a push recently. Um, it's seen as a bit more of a, the future of the business, quite possibly. Uh, but kind of this is a, a no-holds-barred tag match, so there's, there's going to be a lot of outside action by the sounds of it, possibly some weapons getting involved, some chairs. What's your thoughts on this one, and where's your excitement level, especially with it including The Undertaker? That's that's uh, My curiosity level has peaked in this one because, again, like exactly like you said, uh, this is an opportunity for Drew McIntyre to break out because uh, – whatever it was a decade or so ago he was labeled as the the next one the chosen one but uh, you know vince saw something in this kid and uh, it took him a little while to 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 find that to go away and and you know work elsewhere and and find himself and now he's back and and you're right i think this guy definitely can be the future of this company uh uh at least one of the the, the pieces of the puzzle for the future of this company. Drew is awesome. Um, and, and that's where I think this is going. I think this is going to be a bit of a showcase for Drew and maybe a, um, a breakout period for him. Maybe it leads to a singles match with him and, uh, and Undertaker at, at uh, SummerSlam. That would be so, awesome. Uh, yeah, that would be awesome. You know, you talk about getting the rub, that would be the ultimate rub. So um, 
I don't know if that team wins. Maybe Shane is the one who eats the pin in this one. But at the same time, maybe this is something that, that furthers Undertaker and Drew McIntyre. Mm, that would be good to see. That would be good to see. The final match I want to talk about, Jimmy, is uh, um, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch versus Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. So uh, not many people are excited about this match, but you have to consider the fact that that both the Universal Championship and Becky's uh, Raw Women's Championship are on the line here. Winner takes all in this mixed match challenge. Um, A lot of people have got a bit of a downer at the moment on, on Baron and Lacey not very popular amongst more pure wrestling fans, but I think they make fantastic heels. And I think that uh, they've really done their best with this, this storyline and with this angle. Um, and I think it should be an interesting match tonight. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see the titles change hands really just to get a bit more heat on uh, Baron and Lacey. Um, and we know how the WWE like to swerve their audience and uh, make them want to tune in on Monday because of uh, uh, sometimes a popular or maybe an unpopular decision. But so uh, where's your thoughts on this one? Um, it's interesting. Um, I think this stipulation had been done once before, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong. Um, I agree with you. I think that Baron Corbin is a very good heel. Um, his, his in-ring work is underappreciated, I think, by some. I think he's a lot better than people give him credit for. Uh, I'm not thrilled with the current, um, presentation for lack of a better term of of seth with becky because it seems like uh it seems like he's the uh <laughs> how do i how do i say it yeah um, you know <laughs> yeah he, he, yes, the, the b word <laughs> like in the back yeah what she yeah. said okay i like that kind of um i'm not a big fan of that i think uh i think it could it could be presented better as a couple on television um but that's just me i the other thing I, I don't like about having these intergender tag matches uh, in WWE is because, as we've seen in the past, the, the, the females can perform offensive maneuvers on the men, but it can't go, you know, because of yeah. their edict. They it can't go the other way. Like the men can't, uh, you, you can't chokeslam a woman or something like that. You know what I mean? You can't, uh, you, you know, you, you can't yeah, perform totally. any offense. Yeah. So I think that hurts uh, in this case, but uh, um, I'm, I'm interested, but I I wish there was a different way to go about it as opposed to having this match. That's all. And I, and I could, I, I could see Baron Corbin somehow them winning the title in some form or fashion. Maybe Brock causes a distraction of some sort. Or yeah. I, I actually heard this the other day and thought, I don't know if this would work, but because Paul Heyman said that Brock is going to cash into what if he were to cash in on on Seth tonight and take the title? Does that mean because Seth lost his title that Lacey automatically becomes the women's champ? So I've heard that. Yeah. I think it was I think it was Bully Ray who said that. I heard and that when same he said, interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself. Would it would it work that way? And even if it didn't, you know, at least it's a different different outcome. I don't know. Uh, I I wish I was. I hate to say it. I wish I was more interested in this match, but um, I am. But uh, not to the level I think I should be. So, so what, what's your feelings on uh, like pure intergender 
matches because only last weekend we saw a fantastic main event match at Slammiversary, uh, Impact Tessa Blanchard versus um, Sammy Callahan. Now, uh, that was the match of the night in, in many people's opinion, and Sammy Callahan obviously got you know, a lot of offense in, won the match. Um, but it was a, a straight-up match between these two. Tessa Blanchard is obviously one of the best, not just women wrestlers in the world, but one of the best wrestlers full stop in the world. But uh, I don't know if you've got a chance to see that match or what, what your thoughts are in general. I mean, I, I get the idea that you'd prefer to have proper intergender matches as opposed to kind of this rather fluffy mixed match uh, kind of challenge type of match that the WWE present to us. So what's your kind of thoughts on intergender matches in general? Uh, to be perfectly honest, going into last week's match uh, with Tessa and Sammy, I thought, you know, I, I was never really, I, I, I was of the mindset, I wasn't a huge fan of the intergender matches because, uh, you know, for personal reasons, I didn't, I yeah. didn't like it. Um, I watched that match going into it with an open mind and they told a hell of a story. It was very entertaining. Um, I believe Tessa Blanchard is a special athlete, special, uh, you know, special talent. And I, and she made it work. She absolutely. And, and of course, Sammy, of course, is a little bit out there, but he, he also made it work and it can happen. I just don't, I just don't want to see it happen a lot. It should be, it should be made to felt to feel special. It should it should be infrequent if that makes sense, gotcha. and and when it does happen, it should it it should it should be for a good reason as opposed to hey let's just have a, a you know an intergender match yeah. if that makes sense. Definitely, definitely. So, final question on Extreme Rules, and there's obviously, it's a stacked card, there's lots of matches that I haven't uh, touched on. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the whole event, to be honest with you. It looks uh, like they've put together a very, very good show. But what match do you think, um, what, what, firstly, what match are you looking forward to the most, Jimmy? And which match do you think will go on last? Because there's a few matches that could potentially deserve the billing of main event. But what do you think will go on last? The mixed match challenge or the, the match uh, pitting The Undertaker um, versus uh, Shane and Drew, uh, what, what, do you, what match are you looking forward to and which one will go on last in your opinion? I think the the last match will be the intergender tag match. It should be because, uh, you know, the the main title is on that match. Mm. All due respect to Kofi. So that one should be last. Um, again, it all depends on on which story is going to take precedence tonight. And, and you know, it it's hard to judge sometimes like, you know, obviously the opening match has to be something that's going to grab everybody's attention. But at the same time, I could I could very well see the opening match being Braun and, and Bobby just because it's going to be action packed and get yeah. people invested. Um, so with that being said, I think. For all intents and purposes, the the um, the intergender match should be the last match should be the main event because Unless there's a story that supersedes it, the title should be on last. The main Definitely. title. Okay, Um, So um, Extreme Rules is the final pay-per-view before we head into SummerSlam. Now, that's going to be taking place in Toronto, of course, Jimmy, uh, So, uh, which is in your, your, your hometown. Um, I'm guessing you'll be attending all the festivities around SummerSlam uh, only next month. Uh, you're looking forward to SummerSlam? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be a busy week. I don't know... Uh, uh, exactly where I'm going to be and what I'm going to be doing. I'll be, but I'll be around. I'll be visiting some old friends and getting reacquainted with people and just catching up and stuff like that. But 
it's going to be fun. It's going to be very interesting. And, and I know there's a lot of other um, wrestling coming to town. I know that uh, the, the progress guys are coming here. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much, it's almost SummerSlam is almost turning into like a WrestleMania week where, where you know, everybody starts to, uh, to, to gather in the town that it's taking place in and, and have their own events, which is great because again, like I said, it's a perfect time to be a wrestling fan because there's so much out there. Good for the business. Definitely good for the business. Um, so, Jimmy, that's pretty much the end of the podcast. Uh, I, I want to thank you for coming on today and answering all of my questions and my listener questions. Uh, now, you're obviously a, a regular host on Sportsnet. You've got your Sportsnet mug there with you uh, and have a, a daily presence on social media. But where can my listeners uh, of the Wrestling With Johnners podcast find you on social media? What's your kind of Facebook handle, Twitter, Instagram? Where can my listeners find you on social media or, or get in touch with you to say hi? Yeah, um, well, I'm obviously I'm active on Twitter at Jimmy Corderas and uh, Instagram where I post some old school pictures and stuff like that, which is at real Jimmy Corderas because somebody else took Jimmy Corderas. I don't know who. <laughs> and uh, on Facebook, it's uh, I have a fan page there, uh, former WWE referee Jimmy Corderas. And um, yeah, I'm pretty active on there usually. Um, I could be snarky sometimes, but that's just me having fun. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, now, uh, on weekdays I do, uh, I throw a little one minute video out there called my ref and rant, which, uh, which I just pick a topic and decide to give a minute, uh, insight into it or my thoughts on some, on some topic. And usually in my, uh, in my little one minute, I have a mug of some kind and, uh, and, and an old school t-shirt. I, I, I go through my, like, <laughs> my archive of t-shirts and i'll throw something random on just for the heck of it fantastic thank you well jimmy i just want to thank you so much for coming on uh, on board today i really really appreciate it thank you for giving us some insight into your 30 plus year career and 22 years with the wwe uh, and how it all started and your thoughts on tonight's pay-per-view as well so uh, thank you very much for coming on board today jimmy no thank you for having me i really appreciate it Fun. Thank you. So uh, that's it. That's uh, another episode of the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. Um, please don't forget to hit like, subscribe, and share, and shout about this podcast. Tell your friends and tell your family. And please keep listening to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast for all of your NXT UK, NXT, WWE, and all around wrestling goodness on a weekly basis. Without you sharing, subscribing uh, to this podcast, we can't continue to grow and improve. So hit like, share, and subscribe now. Of course, you can follow us once again on Twitter at with Jonas underscore pod on instagram at wrestling with johnners and you can search wrestling with johnners on facebook and find our uh, our interactive community page there we'll be back again on tuesday where we'll have our uh, extreme rules review uh, featuring all of the matches that we previewed just uh, a moment ago with jimmy uh, and uh, the card looks very very stacked and it's going to be a tremendous show so don't forget to catch that tonight on the wwe network um, after that we'll be back again on friday with our weekly uh, recap show of nxt and nxt uk um, and uh, uh, as always we'll be covering all of the major stories from uh, around the wrestling world and especially um, any of the fallout from uh, from the wrestling from the extreme rules pay-per-view that's on Friday's show um, but in the meantime I want to thank you all for, for listening and watching and uh, take care have yourself a good weekend and speak to you all soon mm-hmm.